Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we can come together, Lord, and just hear your word, Lord. We just pray, Lord, that the word that you have for us today, Lord, would be a word that, Lord, that we could hold on to, Lord, that we could use, that we could grow from. Lord, we just pray that you would speak through me, Lord, and just give me the words to speak. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I first have to ask a question, and I want you to be totally honest. Who here would consider yourself to be maybe a little bit of a pack rat? You have a little bit of a clutter problem. (laughs) I have my hand up. (laughs) All right? All right, where are the neat freaks in here? Who who, who is like, got to have everything in order? I like that, but I'm not always. So all of you can can really uh, give me a lot of amens this morning because you're going to really appreciate what I have to say. And as I said, uh, I feel I am qualified to speak about this because, and I think I get it honestly, actually. It's just been passed down from generation to generation. And, and I'm seeing the same kind of thing like in my son Isaac. We're going through some stuff and he's got, I mean, he's got stuff everywhere on his dresser, under his dresser. He's got this little shelf that he made and he is so proud of this shelf but it looks it doesn't look so good but he made it and he's got stuff on that so we went through recently a a remodel project and so we had accumulated things that just needed we needed to get rid of and it's not stuff you could burn so I decided to get a dumpster and um you know there's there's a lot of stuff that are very like, this needs to go. But then my wife decides that, and this wasn't my idea, but she decides to, like, go through every single room in the house and, like, start to uncover stuff. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is my stuff. So I get home at work, from work at night, and I'd be, like, in the dumpster looking through the bags because I know she's gotten rid of my favorite jeans that I wear all the time. I mean, they have a few holes in them. But they're very comfortable. They've been with me for a long time. So, so anyways, we're going to talk about clutter this morning. Here's just some things to help you identify if you have a problem. And maybe some of you aren't willing to say that you have a problem. That's probably because you have a problem. Here's a few. You have more things than you have a place for. If having people over to your house causes you embarrassment because your place looks unpresentable, you might have a clutter problem. If you don't put things away or if parts of your house are unusable, you may have a clutter problem. Like certain rooms that are supposed to be rooms are hallways. It's a good indication that you might have a clutter problem. How many of you have... Rooms that have been converted to hallways. And your hallways are impassable. I mean, you can't even get through, right? You're like climbing over stuff. If you clutter up your desk and workplace, your car, your computer. How many of you have a cluttered computer? You got stuff everywhere. Your email. I have a problem with my email. They give us like, I don't know, three gig of of uh, space for our email at work. I'm constantly running out of space. 
because I don't like to delete stuff. I might need to go back and retrieve it. Now there's ways to get around that. I mean, you can put them different places, but it's just there. It's just easy for me. But they're forcing me to delete stuff. If you have trouble throwing things out, clutter may be an issue for you. You have an emotional attachment to your stuff. If you have to rent storage space to keep all your extra stuff because there's no place in your house or your property, maybe a clutterer. And by the way, I went to New York City a couple weeks ago, and we had the opportunity to stay at a, a friend's house, Mitch Stout. I don't know if some of you might know Mitch. Uh, went to school with him. But anyways, he uh, has a little apartment in New York City, and we went there for a day, stayed overnight. And so he let us use his apartment. So, and if you know anything about New York City, most of the apartments are not very big, but they're very expensive. So he has a one bedroom with a, a kitchen and living area that's all in one. So all of our kids were, got them on the floor and wherever. But I was looking around, just observing. This place had only the basic essentials that you need to live. I'm like, this is nuts. <laughs> I'm looking at this thing, and I'm thinking, where can I put all my stuff? Well, there's a little space here, and there's under the bed. And, but he had nothing like that. I mean, even in his closets, they're all, all organized. And, just, and it really gave me kind of a different perspective on things that I had never seen before. Actually, a little bit refreshing. If it seems a little overwhelming for you to clean and organize your place, clutter might be a problem. If your home is filled with old magazines and newspapers, how many of you have old magazines and newspapers? Going to read them someday, I'm sure. Someday those magazines are going to be a lot, worth a lot of money. It's old news. If you find yourself overly attached to your possessions, again, clutter might be a problem. If you hold on to items you no longer need, you may be a person who clutters. So you might be asking, what's the problem with clutter? And as my wife was going through all of our rooms and uncovering stuff, and by the way, she also found stuff that we you know, had lost. Cohen found his iPod that probably was lost for a couple years. He was excited. But as she's going through all this stuff and getting rid of it, and went through every room in the house. And by, by the way, the, the dumpster is almost full. But it was, she, she just said how good it made her feel. Because even when you have clutter, even when you clean the house, it still looks messy. I mean, yeah, the rugs are cleaned or whatever, but there's still stuff. It's just kind of an organized mess, maybe. So it interferes in our life in many ways. We waste time looking for things that we can't find. We waste money buying stuff we don't need. Makes our environment look sloppy. Causes stress. How many know clutter causes stress? It's exhausting to keep up with unnecessary items. We're inefficient, unproductive. Listen to this. Cluttering perpetuates the cycle of unfulfilled needs by creating obstacles to the very things that we need and desire. And I had to think about this regarding our spiritual life. I think there's many of us that if we really had to expose ourselves or really just look within, would agree that we have cluttered our spiritual life with a lot of stuff 
that shouldn't be there. And because of that, it just perpetuates that cycle of unfulfilled needs. We're creating obstacles to the things that we really need and, and being able to see God clearly because, well, my kids, they've, they've got sport, sporting events every, every single night of the week. So, you know, we've got to get them involved in as much as, as we can. Our job. But we have filled our schedule so full that we can't even give God 15 minutes of our day, a half an hour of our day. And we wonder why at the end of the day we're just about ready to just blow. So our stuff gets in the way of seeing and hearing God. The real cost in accumulating stuff is the anxiety and unhappiness that is attached to the clutter. Real pleasure is, thri- is thriving on simple joys. Somebody once said, when we have only a little, we should be satisfied. For this reason, that those best enjoy abundance who are contented with the least. Listen to that again. Those best enjoy abundance who are contented with the least. Philippians 4, verse 11, also says, I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. God wants us to be content with what we have. And there's so many stuff that's just being bomb- that, that are bombarding us every day. Sales. How many of you like sales? Come on. <laughs> we just can't resist, right? Buy one, get one free. You know, the grocery store has what? Buy two, get three free. That's like, you can't not buy it, right? I don't necessarily need it, but by golly, I'm not going to not gonna not get that, right? So we end up buying things that we don't need, and then it sits in our closet. How many of you have clothing that have tags on it that you've had for a little while? For that very special event that just never seems to happen. But we can't get rid of it because there's a perceived value on that, right? Rather than admitting that maybe I just made a bad decision, get rid of it. And maybe there's somebody else that you can bless. Not with your junk. What's a good rule of thumb? Probably if you haven't worn it in the last year, you're probably not going to, right? I'm telling you this because (laughs) I have to ask myself that question sometimes. My wife says, you're not wearing that ever again in public. It's not what we have, but what we enjoy that constitutes our abundance. It's not what you have. It's what you enjoy. And I, and I had to think about that a little bit. You know, and some of you have been to third world countries. Haiti. One thing that really stuck out to me was how happy the people were. They didn't have anything. And the other thing is clutter reduces your ability to be creative because you can't think clearly. You're just overwhelmed with information or stuff. But if you have a, if you get rid of that stuff, I believe creativity, God will give you a creative mind that you can think about and come up with things that maybe you never would have thought about before. And you think about phones and Facebook and iPads and, I mean, our kids. There's a really addictive thing that goes on. And while they're really good tools, For a lot of things, if we don't resist and we don't restrict 
the use of that. We're just constantly, and we're not being creative. I got to tell my kids, shut them off. Go outside. What am I going to do? Nothing to do. Well, you better find something. Go out and build a fort. My gosh, you're taking away my iPad. It's true though, isn't it? That might be an indication that they have a problem. (laughs) How many of you ever been in a traffic jam? How many of you love traffic jams? Oh, you do. (laughs) There's always one. I mean, you just look at people and their stress level is just going, right? The roads were not created for that many cars. I have to be somewhere in this, right? Road rage. Congestion is horrible. And many of us are trapped in our own clutter. Spiritual movement, our spiritual movement is stifled. Instead of moving forward, we're just standing still burning a lot of gas, right? And that's kind of the same thing that happens in a traffic jam. I'm going to give you some examples in the Bible. If you'll turn to John chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. Let's read that together. It says, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to, the, up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting on, at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords, and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the colts, he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get thee out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, What miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? Jesus answered, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. I want you also to turn to Matthew 21, verse 12 and 13. This was the second time of the cleansing of the temple, and this was just the week prior to uh, the end of um, Jesus' ministry on earth. So Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to, my, to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. What's he saying here? First of all, in Isaiah, I believe it was chapter 56, God had promised the Gentiles that he would make a place available in the temple for them to worship and to pray. And it was in the courts. And um, that's where all this money changing and everything that they were doing was was occurring. So they had destroyed God's temple. And I think that's the same thing that happens with us. This, our body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit, amen? This is where God lives. So everything that we take in, everything that we consume, our thoughts, all of those things 
are opportunities for us to ruin the temple of the Holy Spirit, to clutter up what God wants to remain holy. In Mark 11, verse 17, it says, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And again, by allowing the court to become noisy, smelly, a marketplace, they rob the temple of its sanctity or holiness. And I just want to say to, to Joe and Danielle, I'm so proud of you guys for doing what's right. There's something about doing things right. There's something about doing things the way God wants us to do. There's sanctity in marriage. So when we do things the way God wants us to do it, we're keeping our house, a house that's holy. And I just got a vision of what Jesus must have looked like when he went into that place and saw what was going on. Said he was angry. To me, that means he was passionate about what he felt that place should be like. So it made me think about what would God say to me about my house, about this house? Would he come in and just take everything and just throw it? I think it's something that we all really have to challenge ourselves about. There's a verse here I'm trying to find. In uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 41, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. How many of you are so busy doing the things that you think need to be done? It's like we gotta, we're, we're just busy. We got to get things done. What was Jesus' reply? He said, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. Go to the next verse. Sorry about that, guys. Anyways, to make a long story short, Jesus said, she has chosen what is better. Few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Why, why did he say that? What had she chosen? What did she choose? To sit at his feet and listen. How many of us are willing to take the time to stop doing what we're doing and just listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say to us? But sometimes we think being busy, doing good works, is really what's important. Good works is not going to get you into heaven. Amen? Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you... By worrying, add a single hour to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. God knows our needs. 
God knows what we need. Our worries, when we sit and we just worry about stuff, we are cluttering our mind. We're filling our mind with things that God never intended us to do. He said, cast your cares upon him. Some things that we clutter, what are some things that clutter our thinking? Some of us allow sports to clutter our thinking. Some of us are preoccupied with hunting. We're out in the woods mentally when we should be paying attention to a sermon or school lesson. Where's Ethan? Some of you might be out there hunting right now. Then there's the kids. No matter what age they are, we can preoccupy our mind worrying about our kids. Relationships can clutter our thinking. Then there's the satellite dish or Xbox, our phones, our looks. We obsess about how we look. My daughter seems to take a little bit more time every year getting ready for school. (laughs) I wouldn't say she obsesses about it, but you know, it's important. And I'm glad that she cares about that. But, you know, all of those things, they're good. But it's just when we take it to an extreme. Love of money. Again, we're consumed by our worries. Matthew 22, verse 37 says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. God is a jealous God. He wants our time. He wants our attention. So I just want you to, in closing, I want you to close your eyes right now. And I just want you to ask yourself, what are those things that Jesus is asking you to remove from your temple? from your body, in order to get rid of the clutter? What are some things that you need to clean out? Are you more interested in business, in your family, and fun that you are in the things of God? In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I love this verse. The word of God judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Sometimes we don't even recognize the things that are cluttering our lives. But reading the word helps uncover those things. It said everything is uncovered. Nothing is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered. So I think when we read the word of God, everything that's in us becomes exposed. Maybe the things that you had shoved under the carpet thinking, all right, that's good enough. It's clean. Nobody can see it. But all of a sudden, there's kind of like a little bump in that carpet. It's not gone. It's just hidden. I believe that God wants to dig those things out. There's some things that we've been holding in that God wants to uncover. When he's Lord of our life, he's going to remove the clutter and replace it with better things, such as his presence. We sang about his presence this morning. It's all we need. We need God's presence. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. We need to praise him every single day. In our car, wherever we are, we just need to just begin to say songs of praise. When you're worrying about things, the Bible says take every thought captive. Take those things captive. And I believe one way that we can do it is just begin to praise God. Just begin to tell him that you love him. That you know that he can do all things. That I can do all things through Christ.
And this is important about your prayer life. The number one hindrance to a person's prayer life is the clutter of unconfessed sin. John Bunyan said, prayer will make a man cease from sin, but sin will make a man cease from prayer. And there was a study that George Barna did revealed an interesting finding about people's prayer life. 95% of people thank God for what he has done in their lives. I think we can all do that. 67% acknowledge his unique and superior attributes. 61% ask for specific needs. However, only 40%, 47% ask forgiveness for specific sins. I guess pretty interesting because we don't even like to admit, even to God, the areas that we have fallen short. So I just would encourage you to make that part of your prayer life. His precepts, his commands, the power. As the Holy Spirit controls us, we can be very productive. And lastly, our participation. Father, I just ask right now, Lord Jesus, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to clean out those areas of our life, Lord, that have been filled with stuff. Lord, help us to recognize that this stuff is not taking us in the right direction. Lord, that it's stopping the flow of your Holy Spirit in us and through us. Lord, I pray pray right now, Lord, that you would remove it. Lord, that you would remove that clutter. Lord, that the Holy Spirit could flow freely through us. Lord, there would be a freedom, Lord, in getting rid of those things, Lord, that have just entangled us, that have paralyzed us, Lord Jesus. In your name.